Um, so often we talk about what would be considered one of the greatest eras in wrestling history. And today is one of those days where we will talk about that. But first, I would like to introduce you to the Collar and Elbow Wrestling Podcast. That's us. That's me, Kenny Oak, joined as always with Chris Be Quick, Chris the Natural, Chris Charisma Harris. The natural uh, plug. I'm the natural. I'm I love it, right? As the natural. As the Runnels <laughs> so himself. Good. Yes, you are what we would, what we in the business call a, a stud, a blue chipper, as Jr. Would, would blue chip athlete here to. I'm just, you know, I'm the future. I'm a lot of different you, words. Right now, you're so maybe the crowd's not really all that into you, but but you've got what it takes. You got the potential, Bob. Potential's just oozing out of me. It's hard to put it together, especially on this podcast, which is inconsistent at best. But I'm well, trying. I get my work wow, over on Twitter. Calling the the kettle black, huh? It is, but I haven't been the black kettle recently, have I? So whoa! First of all, you quick. can't I don't say mean that. To be confrontational. I don't mean to be, but I am excited about what we're talking about, Bubs, yes. because the childhood. This is a discussion about childhood. We are going back. It is. We're going to discuss what is considered the best and greatest era at least but we're we're gonna, we're gonna it, it tear it apart a little that. bit you're right it is considered that and um what, what of course what we're talking about is that time period from around nine, late 1996 90 early 97 to about i don't know where have we decided where this ends i'm thinking like 2001 2002 kind of time frame um but of course we're talking about the infamous Attitude Era, the infamous Monday Night Wars time frame, just what's considered the hottest time in wrestling. When wrestling was at its peak, Bubs, that's what we're discussing today. What's called the Attitude Era. But was it at its peak, or is that peak kind of now a little bit? Because What, what do you mean now? Then, because at the peak, we're talking, let's go back to, to our childhood, right? Because we're thinking... We relate to that era as the people that we really like, right? Because that's where yeah, all of our stars, our friends come from and all that stuff. Oh, there are so, so many top stars at the time, Bubs. But the quality of wrestling that we see now, 2018, 2017, 16, all that stuff, is that not a better era of wrestling or anything? Um, I guess what you say when you say now is a better time of wrestling as in the, the actual wrestling in-ring product is much better than maybe it's been ever but why this time frame that we're discussing today is so beloved why it's so uh looked upon it with rose-colored glasses is because of the is it the storylines that it gave us the characters that were given to us or was it just the perfect time in pop culture to have this? It was just the perfect storm, Bubs, with you know the way the way we felt as as people, um, the way counterculture was becoming such a big deal at the time. It's just everything just meshed well together, and it I, there's really no way to explain just 
just what was going on because there was just it was it was all inspiring with the amount of heat that was going on around this time in wrestling. The era itself it is very hard to describe because what we did get to put it in simple words basically was adult oriented type of content, right? That right. that depicted like more increase in in actual violence. The 18 to 32 uh, age range. Right, that's the demographic Male, we're searching for. On, age. On, the, on the TV, we're searching for those people to tune in. And pop culture for sure, because weird time in the late 90s, right? Music so was, was transitioning. Even like movies, pop culture in general was transitioning. So people that came along as far as the gimmicks and the characters that we saw, they were they were becoming ideal and easy to associate with. Obviously the anti-hero one was the one that worked perfectly. But a lot of different things became a bit of a melting pot in this time frame because prior to this, WWE specifically was giving us a lot of crap gimmicks in, in regards to wrestling. Oof. You know, trash Repo men, man, yeah, uh, Duke the, the dumpster, cars. Ugh, so bad. But instead, now we get people trying to be former porn stars, people that were actual, I, w- I don't want to say demons, but in a way, reflected a demonic part possessing them in some shape or form. That, that, that's got to be Cain! It had to be Cain, right? So a lot of different culturally is, is really what made this happen here. Had had music and, and movies and other things not been at the same level during this 97, 98 time frame, wrestling at this time wasn't going to work whatsoever. So WWE's forced change was because of the culture around them and... WCW and what they were doing because they never once threw a dumpster guy at us once. No. WCW was always kind of the the everyday man's uh, the every man's kind of wrestling product. You know, with, with Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, Sting, you know, these guys, uh, you know, Cactus Jack back when he was in uh, WCW, um, Arn Anderson, these are guys just everyday kind of guys that you're just like, yeah, that's that's a tough son of a bitch. Yeah, real hero. You know, I can stuff. believe yeah, I could believe that this guy's an actual fighter, and I love that you brought up the 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 thing with music in pop culture. This was such, you know, wrestling and music kind of have always uh, coalesced with each other. And they've always kind of been side by side, and and during the '90s, you had the the grunge phase. Right. Which kind of when that started to fade out in the mid to late '90s, it turned into the new metal phase, which had bands like Stained, um, uh, the Deftones, uh, Limp Biscuit. Uh, it went from you know there's just this in-your-face kind of uh, music uh, was was the late '90s, early 2000s, and that's kind of what the Attitude Era was mm-hmm. uh, in wrestling. It was just in your face, so much happening at once. There was never it wasn't complicated. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't these intricate narratives happening where you had to really pay attention to know what was going on. It was just in your face. What what you saw is what you got, and people related to that. That's what made Stone Cold such a such a huge name, such a household name, one of the biggest stars maybe of all time in wrestling. Because what you saw with him is what you got. He was just a tough son of a bitch. He didn't yeah. try to play any other character. That's just who he was. And you believed it, and you got behind it. You did. And he was the, the true success story out of all of that. And one of the, the best descriptions that I've been read, reading recently when we started doing some research about this was a bit of a comparison to early 90s rap, right? When rap started changing a little bit, especially yes. lyrically especially. There was a lot of – they got a lot of heat from politicians and all kinds of 
you know nonsense just due to the the words that they were saying in, in rap in rap songs that people just simply didn't like and this was still a a cultural and race thing at that time as well but they called rap at that time politically incorrect and then I, I read different articles now describing that time frame 98 specifically about WWF talking about how it was politically incorrect type of wrestling yeah, that absolutely. really resonated with the fans but you've seen a lot of documentaries just like I have there's a lot of actual politicians and sports personalities that didn't like the WWF because of the way they portrayed it and they thought that it was affecting children at that age that were very influential you and I are a part of that group that were going to be affected long term due to the stuff they were seeing on TV or live shows and I, I mentioned exactly. the, the porn star thing right we have Val Venus, Gold, Gold Dust a lot of characters that were and all aggressive. the women really of, a lot of a lot of nudity. Uh, yeah. The divas of that time were very sexualized. Every, everyone, Sunny, um, Sunny Sable, uh, Terry Runnels, Jacqueline, uh, really all of them to a degree were were sexualized. You know, you, you had your Chinas, you had your Jazzes, uh, Ivory, who were just you know, beat you up, kind of tough uh, girls, women, uh, women. They were women, yeah. if, if I've ever seen them. And, you know, they they were kind of the counter to the overly sexualized, you know, women that I've already mentioned before with Sable and Terry Runnels and uh, Sonny. But, yeah, I completely agree with you that a lot of people kind of hated this time in wrestling because it was supposed to affect you and me because you and me were the kids growing up watching this. We're supposed to be scarred for life mm -hmm. because we're, we're supposed to want to be – like porn stars like Val Venus or, you know, you know, all this, we're, we're going to go out and be violent because Stone Cold Steve Austin beats up his boss. We're going to go to school and try to give the Stone Cold stunner to our, you know, third or fourth grade teacher. Right. <laughs> you know, but that, that's just clear. Well, with us, that, that wasn't the case clearly, but that is kind of the fear that was going on because it was so in your face. Right. And I love the comparison that you brought up with, with the change in the rap game in the early 90s when, when a group like NWA comes out. You know, people are so worried that, you know, they're going to hear the lyrics of these, you know, transcendent uh, hip-hop groups, rap groups, uh, and, and they're going to take what they say and, you know, literalize it. But we, we didn't literalize, you know, wrestlers and, and the things that they're portraying to us. We just watched it and enjoyed it. Yeah, we just fantasized it more than exactly. anything. The same fear even happens today, and less less to a degree now. But years ago, when people were doing you know reviews of of um, like console games or computer games, you know Grand Theft Auto specifically, how you exactly. can go around, pull out a gun, you know, shoot and kill people. They think that people are going to we're going to go and pick up a hooker, you yeah. know, and, <laughs> and then kill her and get her money back. <laughs> they think that the majority of the, now there is that one-off person that you know they can try to blame something like that on right but most of society isn't going to be affected by something like that they're going to fantasize this because this is a break from reality this is how you relieve stress but exactly. for wwf and wcw when they were incorporated with this it was good business because this drew television ratings this drew pay-per-view buys and if you're wwf trying to be the big dog at this time you have to do a lot of things to get above wcw and that was a big change in their culture it was a big change in their tv calling it attitude, saying that everything they were doing yes. had attitude. So this was all, I mean, and it gave them record highs in, in TV and in pay-per-view buys for that time as well. Mm -hmm. So it certainly worked, but that's really what we remember. You know, this is 
God, 20 years now. God, the, it has point. been 20 years um, because think 1998, that's when Tyson came in, uh, had the, the thing with Stone Cold uh, and D-Generation X. That's when the Stone Cold era you know, finally kicked off was at WrestleMania 14 in 1998 when he beat Shawn Michaels for the WWF title. Um, and and we've mentioned a few times pop culture, and that was that 1997-1998 kind of time frame was when pop culture was at its peak in wrestling. You had Mike Tyson in the WWF. You had Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman and Jay Leno in WCW. Yeah, and and Dennis Rodman definitely to a big extent. He was a, a big fixture in the NWO and WCW. Uh, throughout that time frame, he even he even skipped uh, Chicago Bulls practice to be at uh, WCW show, mm-hmm. uh, which was kind of it, it, it's been joked about for for years now, and even Phil Jackson joked about it during that time. But pop culture was all about wrestling. You had shows like Celebrity Death Deathmatch on MTV that had Stone Cold Steve Austin as one of its right. you know characters. It's just everyone was all in. On wrestling because that's what drew the money during that time and I mean have you do you remember another time frame when wrestling was so such must-see TV I mean honestly you never knew who was gonna show up you know sticking on the line of pop culture you never knew who was gonna show up on a, on, on a Monday Night Raw or a Monday Nitro it was crazy it was insane there's nothing that's compared to that time, even today, where wrestling is such must-see TV like it was back then. Because oh. now, not to blame the internet, right? But everything is spoiled for the most part. So you didn't have to, you don't have to tune in now and watch things live. So to say that right. this time was unique of itself is is very true. Because a, a, you mentioned 97, 98 specifically. This is when a lot of that started to happen. We had a lot of key significant things happen. Not just the Montreal Screwjob itself, which is big and one of those, you know, springboarding type events that happened, but WWE it created does, the Vince McMahon character. It does, which really d- drove the best rivalry and best storyline throughout that an early Attitude Era between him and and Stone Cold Steve Austin. But WWF branding themselves as the Attitude Era in December of '97, right. we get a lot of different things here that start to springboard us forward into reality wrestling, where. It really is real. You have a, a, a real character in Steve Austin, as the example, going up against his boss. Everyone was all about that because, you know, as society says, you know, you're supposed to hate your boss, right? He's always yes. going to try to hold you down. Well, in here... Because he's, he's looking out for his own job, you know. He doesn't want to get his spot taken, so he's going to try yeah. to push you down. So that was kind of the whole, you know, everyone felt that. It was so genuine. It was it was what was every, it's what everyone was feeling at the time, which is why it resonated so well with wrestling fans. Right. And you could sit there and you could watch it live or you could watch it on your, your Monday nights or on your pay-per-views and you could see the things that you would want to really have happen to you. You could put yourself in Steve Austin's shoes and you could live through him or you could try to live through a, a guy like Triple H and stuff like that or many of the guys in WCW at the time in real face versus heel type of type of storylines but at the same time some of these storylines bubs we need to be a little objective here I, you're, you're right some and we're, we're gonna happened we're we're gonna get into that don't okay. worry i've kind of i've we need got to a structure that. here okay. where i want to get get into things um but i like what you're talking about with you know you're bringing up you know how we all felt 
we were a part of these storylines because they 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 resonated with us. You know, we're we're supposed to hate our bosses. So Stone Cold kind of checked that box. I like what you said about Triple H because you had Degeneration X versus the Nation of Domination. Mm-hmm. So everyone's been a part of a group, and that group has you know been at odds with another group. You know, th- just think about think back when you were in school, when you were at a job. You know, you you, you get a group of friends, and then there's another group out there that's kind of trying to tread into your territory. And you're kind of, you know, at odds with them. So kind of almost everything, not not almost everything, but there were a lot of stuff that was happening during that time that, that resonated with the fans that we were able to relate with and we were able to get behind. And that's kind of what made it such, uh, such a big kind of deal at the time. I see you're, you're, you're kind of <laughs> – you, you want to say something. I'm I, do, go ahead I like what you're talking about here because this brings up a perfect example that I've never really thought about in this perspective was okay. when you're – I mean in that elementary school time frame like you and I were exactly. at this time, right? You had your little group of friends, right? Now there's still a hierarchy even in, in elementary school. There's still the cool kids, the very top there is. At the bottom is the nerds and, and all those, you know, the goofy folk, right? And in between... <laughs> the wrestling the, fans. <laughs> yeah, the wrestling fans, right? So, and in between that, you got your, your subsets and stuff, right? And, you know, you're friends with your other nerds, and the cool kids are right. friends with the other cool kids. Degeneration X, kind of the cool kid group, right? And yes. And at the bottom of the spectrum, you got a group like the Oddities or something like that, right? A bunch Oof. of weirds. A bunch that of... Was- they were way of, too weird, Bob. I, I don't yeah. relate. To I didn't the relate oddities. with them necessarily, <laughs> but the extremes are there because yes. you can, if you if you had friends, you and your friends are part of that core group in that society exactly. level right. at school, and this is what they did, especially with stables during this time when when stables were such a big deal at this time, Bob. They were. You named the two big ones, which I you know certainly remember the most was DX and the Nation. The corporation mm-hmm. was there, of course. The, the corporation, ministry, yes. The ministry, the, the corporate the ministry. The brood to a, to a small degree, three three people, uh, lower mid card guys. But God, there was a lot of stables. There were, and that was one of the big things that happened during the Attitude Era that you don't see anymore. Um, a lot of us kind of pined for it, but then when you see WWE try to do it, it doesn't work. Um, like when you saw the League of Nations um, most Last. recently, um, New Japan kind of does it in a better way than wwe does because new japan is filled with stables you don't realize it if you're just a casual watcher everyone's in a stable everyone's in a stable in new japan their best best wrestler is in a stable chaos okada's in chaos you've got the bullet club uh there's lij there's just so many different stables in new japan which is what kind of the attitude era was all about was you had all everyone was either in a stable or if they were a big time Main eventer, single star, they, they just kind of roamed their, roamed their own. If they were a face, a face yeah. main eventer in WWF at the time was on his own. But exactly. if, if a heel was main eventing, he was, he was in a stable. The you had the corporation. Uh, you had the ministry, mm-hmm. the corporate ministry. Um, the, these kind of big-time stables, stables had their main event guys if they were heel. But if you were face, you were on your own. Right. Like Stone Cold, when The Rock turned face, he got kicked out of the corporation. When they attacked him, yeah, uh, he became a face. He he was now on his own. Um, but that stables were such a big deal back in the day, and I loved it. 
I absolutely. We've had an entire episode on stables. We have, and that was a very good one. And we talked about several of these. We talked about the nation. <laughs> Everything we talked about. does. It's very good. Somewhere right. Every episode we produce is just fucking gold. You're right. But we've never talked about it as far as it, you know, holding a uh, an era together, basically, because everyone had their their piece or a part of a of a stable, and unless you were like in that, you know, bottom mid card or something like that, where you didn't, you know, you weren't necessarily relevant. But a lot of, I mean, I know you want to put it off here, and we can talk about that, you know, kind of at the end, but. There's a lot of great stars that kind of came from this, right? And we can we'll talk about some of the shitty booking here in a little bit, but I want to talk <laughs> about some of the the guys that that grew either into this era or from this era. We talked about Austin enough. Well, I mean, he's going to come up again because I have something bad right. to say about him. He, he's got a I got a bone to pick. That, that's that. the first thing I wanted to jump into were were the characters okay. of this era. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's one of the the, the first things I wanted to bring up. So you continue on with what. Uh, you you were going on with. I want to know from that ninety late ninety seven to that late two thousand one or early two thousand two time frame. Who's your favorite wrestler that you remember going back and just loving the entire time? Doesn't matter. I mean, you can't say Shawn Michaels to me this time because that doesn't count, no, right? I didn't like Shawn Michaels until two thousand two. Yep. So he and he and he was very not non existent, but he was very yeah. much not affected by that ninety eight ninety nine two thousand time frame. Right. He was very sporadic. So we got. I mean, I'm gonna name off okay. a, a couple nice names to you here. We got heel yeah, Triple H. <laughs> I hated him. Hated got, his guts. I want Jericho um, after he came over from WCW. Because you didn't God. like WCW, Jericho. Yeah, I did. Or, I guess I you weren't him. watching it at the at that Not time. That I was more into were. WCW at the time. Uh, big time Jericho when he came over version. Okay. And, and there's even a lot of storylines and and stuff that connect with these guys. I mean. I was even a big Test fan at that time. And he, he tried <laughs> to marry to marry Stephanie McMahon Terrible. on the show of Raw, but we still had a little bit of Bret Hart, right? There was still yes, we Bret still Hart had... was my guy from from about four years old until he retired in two thousand. I think it was two thousand when he got the kick when from he got Goldberg. Kicked. Yeah, um, Bret Bret Hart was my guy. Undertaker, Kane. We got the early rise of. Edge and yes. Christian, we got the Hardys, we got the Acolytes, we got the Dudley Boys, bubs. We got a lot of tag teams. Oh, the Acolytes we were so before. good. Acolytes yes. were my team. We got the Holly Cousins. We've got a lot of people that were doing a lot of different things. I know. These Raw is War cards. Yes. So, But not just Raw is War at the time, bubs. I want to get in into some WCW Nitro and WCW uh, Thunder because my guys at the time, like I mentioned, Bret Hart, uh, especially when he made the switch to WCW, um, I was all in on that. But but guys like Booker T, Chris Benoit, like we talked about in our last episode, he was my guy for so many years. Um, I got a kick out of Disco Inferno. Loved him. Yep. <laughs> Believe it or not. I did not. I didn't uh, even hate Steiner Brothers was so I I didn't hate Buff Bagwell either. Buff had the stuff. You did Buffs. at the time. I was all that. Give me and give me the Steiner brothers too. Yeah. Yes, the Steiners were great. Um, Chris Jericho. We were me and my brother were all in on Jericho. I got the lion tamer put on me more times than I can count, and that hurts. That does, shit is no fun. Correctly. Absolutely. It yeah, exactly. Um, but the, WCW was so much fun. A lot of fun characters. Uh, Nash. Always a big fan of Nash. I remember him when he was Diesel. But, but but going to WWF Attitude Era guys, um, Jeff Hardy was a guy that from the moment he stepped foot into the company, um, I was kind of into his 
I was kind of into his um, his deal. Uh, one of the guys that I, because I was always a huge fan of mid card guys. I was I I'd never really got into the main event guys, but the mid card guys that's where I I hung my hat on. And Rob Van Dam was one of my my biggest idols during this time. I thought his frog splash was way better. I, I remember hating Eddie Guerrero because I thought Rob Van Dam's frog splash was so much better. <laughs> Good reason to because hate because of all the impact that. <laughs> but going back in time, I mean, Eddie's Eddie's frog splash had more, much more impact. Like he made it look powerful. Van Dam just bounced a lot after he, he hit his. He did, and he can stretch, Bob. So splits that he used oh. to do. But I mean, these are just some of the guys. There's so many people you can just start rattling off of all the guys that you loved back in the day. Um, Taka Michinoku, Taka. I, I like. Wait, heavyweight. Um, huge fan of Ultimo Dragon. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger back in the day. For some reason, I was I was already. This is where my love of Japanese wrestling started to come, and I started to kind of look into all Japan and New Japan back in back in these days. Um, just it was just such a a great time to be a wrestling fan. You, you're right. All these characters are just so good, and you can get behind these guys and really follow them through their journey. We could we could sit here and name off. Every guy that even participated on the roster during these times, and, and we'd be like, oh, yeah, I was all about him from this period to this period. But now there's <laughs> yeah. in, in current WWE, in anything Ring of Honor, New Japan, there's a handful yeah. of guys that we care about. Like, oh, I, I can. Oh, Apollo Crews, you know, he, he's my guy. It's like, is he? Yeah, is he? He's not. Really? And, he's yeah. not. And, it, and I think it kind of goes back to, again, it's unfair of us to, to say what you know. At eight years old, nine years old, we were in love with everything wrestling. Now we're able to view it in a much, I think, more intel- intellectual life. But um, but then everybody on the roster, everybody on those old wrestling games that we used to play on PlayStation and PS2 and so the Xbox. So glad you brought that up. I don't want to get into that hardcore right now. One comment that I am going to make real quick is that D'Lo Brown had a better frog frog splash than anybody else. The lowdown box. I just left you two things to talk about. I'm going to let you take it from there because I'm ready to talk. Okay. okay. Since we're talking about D'Lo Brown, I want to go ahead and throw this opinion out there. I don't care what anyone says. Um, D'Lo Brown is the greatest European champion walking the face of this earth. Okay. And, and possibly of all time. I mean, Pete Dunn, you, you should just you know retire now because you'll never reach the heights of D'Lo, D'Lo Brown. But in all seriousness, Bubs, I love that you brought up the video games aspect of this because this era, when it comes to video games, is probably the best era in wrestling kind of history, video games-wise. Uh, you had... Because you had such a diverse kind of roster of games just like all these companies had a diverse roster of wrestlers you had a diverse roster of games we me and my brother were huge into the wcw game wcw nitro thunder i was um, not. i yeah um looking back at them they're not good games looking back on them i've done i've done my research over the past couple couple weeks on them disappointed in the stuff i used to play sure um a game that I love, WCW versus the World, which kind of gave me a... That was my first glimpse into All Japan Pro Wrestling and, and a lot of the, the Japanese kind of stars back in this time. But WWF SmackDown, SmackDown versus... Uh, I mean, SmackDown 2. Um, Shut your mouth. WWF, bring it. Yeah. Uh, WWF Attitude, 
It was a game that I rented and played the shit out of. That was my um, one back in the day. Was that? Yes, I played as Triple H, and I couldn't do the pedigree, but I would do this German suplex bridge, um, that was one of his moves. That he all of a sudden that, had. That he all of a sudden had, and that became my finisher in that game. But I, the games were just so much fun. Warzone, um, WWF. Ah, uh, what? God, what's the game on? One. There are so many. No, WrestleMania. No Mercy was a years No ago, Mercy. That's what it was. No, no Mercy came no, out like... No, it was 2000, 90, 2001. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, they did WrestleMania 2000 edition as well for, That's I think, N64. So, there were so many good games at this time, but WWE, our WCW um, NWO World Tour was a good one. Man, I got you throwing all these names out here. Did you have all these games? God. I didn't, but I... You rented them all. I, I did rent Shout them out all. to Blockbuster, Great American Video, all you rental places that are all gone now, <laughs> thanks to the fucking internet. We've, here's, uh, for you, here's for you. Blockbuster, um, Reed's Pharmacy, back in Louisiana. <laughs> the local joint. <laughs> yes. This fucking... um, family video in Mamu. <laughs> so many good spots, bubs. Um, I had the WCW Nitro and Thunder game games. Um, I, I remember... I re- I remember distinctly, me and my mom were at Walmart, and I was trying to buy WCW Backstage Assault. Okay. So I, I'm trying to buy it, and this old, old lady was like, you shouldn't let your son buy this. It says it's rated T, and this is why. And so my mom was like, ah, you shouldn't get this because this old lady tells me not to. A um, week later... I go back and we buy SmackDown to shut your mouth, which is rated T for like sexual content, like all this crazy stuff. And because there's not an old hag there, you know, wrestling blocking me, my mom's like, yeah, buy this game. And I end up with like my favorite wrestling game of all time. Me and Jeff Hardy went to the top oh. of, of Raw Bubs. So it was a big influence over you, wrestling games. As, as they yeah. are to a lesser degree now, we still play, right? We're still into that, that gaming life. I've got Fire Pro Wrestling. Um, there's a lot of fun wrestling games, like obscure wrestling games out there, like 3D Wrestling Revolution that you can get on Steam or uh, the, the, the App Store. Fire Pro Wrestling, like we just mentioned, which just came out on PS4. The WWE games... There's a lot of good content out there, and I've actually I love going back and playing some of the older games. Uh, they're just a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the uh, Fire Pro Wrestling world that just came out recently, you can go back. Those games have been out since the Super Nintendo times, Bubs. Right. And the gameplay is fairly similar, so you can go back long time back when they were licensed by some of these uh, Japanese wrestling promotions and really get into it. I'm sorry. I love I love wrestling games, Bob's. I can go I gotta, I gotta all day. Off of that, I didn't mean for that to go that far, but it it's just an, it's a I think reflect on because it's from our childhood. So all those wrestling games I had, I bought, I rented. I wish I still had some of them today and were a way to play them because I would bust out yes. Just Bring It or Shut Your Mouth or even WWF Attitude. I'm not going to say it on the air, bub, so I can talk you through how you can get some of these games. You're right. We may have to have that conversation. So, yeah. 
Now, Bubs, we've talked about a lot of characters and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, now, the the invasion angle that happened with WCW uh, invading the WWE. Now, you make a face, right? I want yeah. to know. Now, this is still part of the Attitude Era because it happened during the time frame. It is. I feel like this is kind of towards the end of the Attitude Era, but it still is. part of it. Now, had I don't mean to bring this up as an individual you know, storyline itself, but had significant stars invaded the WWE instead of other nonsensical folk, could that storyline have been one of the best written, drawn-up things that we've ever seen in wrestling and, and a, been a big cap on towards this end of this Attitude Era as in, instead of basically being irrelevant and only remembered as the invasion because it sounds <clears throat> cool. Now, you are right. It, but here's the thing. There's so much that was involved in this. Now, contract disputes, uh, contract disputes, just, just all, all the stuff in general, if you throw that out the window, if you have everyone that the fans would have clamored for. So if you had the NWO, because the NWO came later on, maybe a year later, if that, uh, after the Invasion Eagle. If you have the NWO, if you have Sting, if you have Diamond Dallas Page, you know, all these guys that came, Goldberg, all these guys that came about a year later, once their contracts with WCW were over, um, and WWF slash E had the willingness to pay them to come maybe buy out their contracts and come, you you could have one of the greatest storylines of all time, but also you have to think, at this time, Vince McMahon, he just got through such a such a long, drawn-out war, the Monday Night War, like, uh, as it's deemed, with WCW. You, you spend all this time fighting these people, trying to prove that you're the best, your wrestlers are the best, mm-hmm. and now you have all of them under your, your, your banner, and you want to prove, hey, my guys have always been better than your guys. So I, I think egos would always prevail in this kind of situation, and you would always have WWF, WWE guys kind of going over, which always would kind of put a put a, put a damper on it. But if you have those big names there, I think, and and you have them kind of go over a few times. And then you, you build that up to to the invasion pay-per-view that maybe is a year or two down the road. You could have just maybe the greatest, one of the greatest stories and one of the biggest pay-per-view buy, buys of all time. Yeah. Looking Imagine back, a Survivor that, Series with WCW that, versus... Whew. That's what I wanted to say. I wanted to bring up a traditional six-man elimination with that being the actual team Who's structure. What's the roster, Bubs, that you that you would want to see in that match? Oh my gosh! Let's talk the WCW one then, and let's yes. assume, I guess, face and heel is kind of irrelevant at this point. So irrelevant and contracts irrelevant. Just who do you think would be the best match on the WCW side? I need Goldberg. Of course. I need, I need all three members of the NWO original. Original. Three. Okay. Original three. You gotta have Sting. You I have need, to. Have I do. Sting. No, I do. I need Sting, and surprisingly, I need Scott Steiner instead of Booker Ooh. T. Scott Steiner instead of Diamond Dallas Page. Instead, instead of DDP too, because DDP was he was portrayed as mid card at best when he came to WWF. Yeah, and, but we're talking about WCW guys, was because he was a big deal towards the the end. He was the one that was that was with Carl Malone. He was the one that was with. Right. 
Jay Leno against. He wasn't champion within the last two years of that business, though. Well, that business wasn't. I know. It had its own That's... issues that it was dealing with. Buzz. But I, I feel like the okay. the, the uptick Scott's is better. Not... Is Scott is to have Scott Steiner there even instead of a Booker T? I think. Is it because he was he kind of was the champ from like two thousand through two thousand one? He really was the champ. Yeah, he, he was. He, he and Booker went back and forth a few times, right? But that. That's what I want, I think, on that WCW side. And okay, so really... you have, you have. Let, let's go through this. Yeah. You had the three members of NWO, so Hollywood Hogan, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. Mm-hmm. You've got Scott Steiner. You had Sting who else? Goldberg. Sting and Goldberg. Okay, so that's your six. What about uh, your WWF guys? Uh, Rock, Austin, Great Kurt Angle. Okay, great. Undertaker, Kane, and I guess at the time it'd be a toss-up between. I'd probably toss Jericho or Benoit up at the time. Uh, probably go Jericho. See, I wouldn't put either of those two because of their ties. Would you, put, would you put Brock there? Brock wasn't in there at the time. Two thousand two is when he came, so you're right. Uh, ooh. Triple H, Bubs. Why aren't you putting Triple H in there? I'm just. Anti Triple H, I guess. I'm. Th- I don't know. He was such a big deal at the I time. Named, like I named five bigger guys than Triple. But H. I think he was hurt at the time, honestly, because he wasn't in the invasion angle. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty he, sure he was that hurt. Been his first quad injury, then. I guess. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, that I six want, member. That's a big. Oof. I, I do think I want Jericho. Yeah. Kind of have like that WC. Like, is he going to turn? Yeah, is I he going? That's to... exactly what I'd want. He'd be the wild card, as he was in his okay. entire career. Jericho's been the wild he's card. He's always for been a wild. He's still a wild card. Like, when is he going to defend the yeah, Intercontinental the, Champion the title? He's got the Brock Lesnar deal going in New Japan, and people love it. People, Had... people love it. But, but they'll they'll go ahead and they'll hate on Brock Lesnar because it's WWE. But Chris Jericho has the same, and he's even admitted it. He goes, I have the Brock Lesnar deal going, it's, and it's I love it. It's called the Brock Lesnar deal. Yeah. It is. It's so good. I want the Brock Lesnar deal. Come on, Ferguson. Give me the Brock Lesnar deal. Had, had, had Vince been able to wait for this invasion storyline, the payoff is so big. And I, I had to write this down in my notes that had it been something they waited for, for even a bigger invasion pay-per-view like a year later. Because after this, the year later, we had big Scott Steiner and Triple H feuds. We had Goldberg Triple H feuds, right? We had DDP and Undertaker feuds. Yeah, Shawn Michaels back. Yeah, we did have Shawn Michaels, right? So there's a lot of things that could have been done better about that angle. And I just think about it specifically because had it been done with the major stars, it is huge. And I would even consider the WCW guys going over in that Survivor Series match if we're talking about it. You could, and here pinned. So you're you're right. And here's him? kind of here here's my uh, Survivor Series teams. Yeah. You know. Um. So WCW, you hit the nail right on the head. You're gonna have the NWO guys, Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, Hollywood Hogan, uh, especially Hogan and Nash. Maybe you have Scott Hall on the outside. Okay. Okay. And you can throw in Booker T at that point because Scott Hall is no longer in there. He's kind of more. More of an outside kind of present, exactly. Um, then you have Sting. Uh, you can then you have Ric Flair. You can you can maybe throw Ric Flair in there. Sure. Um, uh, try, trying to think of all. Are you all putting these Goldberg w- in? Are we gonna get? Oh, uh, you gotta have Goldberg okay. in there. It's that sixth person that just drives you crazy thinking about. But 
But because of just the momentum that he had and the love that the fans were giving him, you got to have Diamond Dallas Page uh, right there, Bubs, as your sixth man because I think that team alone, you can go, okay, I don't know if if WWF can, can take these guys on because, one, you have Hogan. Yep, who's All pinning right. Hogan? Yep. No one's pinning Hogan. No one's pinning Goldberg. No one's pinning The Undertaker on the other side. No one's pinning exactly. Austin Clean. No one's picking, uh, pinning Nash. Wow. Um, who's How are they eliminating each other? Flair, okay. Flair can take a pin. Flair will drop. Okay. Flair will, will always drop. take a pin. Kurt Angle will drop. Um, Booker T can take drop. a pin, uh, clearly. DDP can take a pin. But on the WWF side, I love that Jeff Stone Cold, Rock, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Those those are three mains. Undertaker, perfect. Which goes hand in hand with Undertaker, Sting. Everyone wanted to see that Sting, whew, Sting, and Undertaker. W- would any of them take a pin? Like this? That's could you imagine a no contest? <laughs> no contest. <laughs> There's eight people left in the match, and it's a no contest because they're not willing to take it. Oh, who else? Would, uh, Triple H. I have to have Triple H because he was okay. he was a kingpin at the time. He was a he. He wasn't jumping ship. So you have Austin, Rock, Undertaker, Angle, Triple H. That six person though, I, you okay. know. Do you, do you? I was about to say. Do you put Kane in there? Do you? Uh, there, there's so many options because at this time, at this time, more than any other time in wrestling, main event stars were created more than any other era there were more main event stars during this time than any other time in wrestling am i right or am i just kind of like over romanticizing no that's that's one of those pieces that can be considered that but a lot of the people that we think about starting out in 96 97 and then working through the early attitude era they became huge stars or became stars at the end of that time like kurt angle did and and as much as i want to and both of us want to kind of rip apart the attitude era but right now we're just talking about storylines never has there been a time when more main event stars were created throughout all of wrestling than than kind of this era you know nowadays you look at it and we're just begging for like come on wwe you can make this right like you can make this person a main event star. You're just not trying hard enough. You, you bring in a guy like AJ Styles, and he's a built-in main event guy. Mm-hmm. Like as soon as he he debuts, you're like, oh, okay, that guy's a main eventer. Easy, easy work for WWE. But then you have some stars that you're like, this guy could be a main event. Rusev could be a main event level guy, but they're just not putting the effort into it. Mm-hmm. Back then, they were putting the effort into it. And we, we had main event guys left and right, and guys in the mid-card that you were like, in, in about five years, Edge is going to be a big deal. In about five years, five, ten years, Jeff Hardy could be a big deal, at least, you know, running the mid-card. You know, we didn't know how far he was going to go, but there were so many guys that you were like, okay, I see where they're going with this guy, and and you just don't see that nowadays. You bring up Rusev, it makes me want to. <laughs> I heard your sign. I heard your silence, and I, I felt bad. I'm I sorry that I did that. Thinking about that because WWE now, 
their entire roster to include NXT has legitimate W has le- legitimate WrestleMania main event guys on it right now. Back in the this so era, Tommaso Ciampa for for the NXT sure. title on, on WrestleMania. I'm telling you, you know, third card from the top at least. <laughs> well, 20, I'm not saying main eventing. Okay, 20 years ago though, we had guys that were working their way up. Triple H, when you first saw him, doesn't look like a main event guy. No, absolutely Rocky, not. Rocky Maivia, though he was called ooh, blue chip, he was a blue chipper, but was pretty. He was pretty he was blue nowhere at the time. Man. Green maybe would be a better color to describe <laughs> yeah. him. He was a green chipper. <laughs> yeah. Now, with, with the work of the indie world, like WWE, just inherits all these great talents. That are just loaded with potential. So Ricochet, Adam Cole, EC3, who they had under their umbrella, but they had to, you know, he has to kind of let him go and let him blossom on his own. Uh, guys that they've let go, like Kenny Omega, who's who's gone on and make a big name out of themselves. You know, they WWE doesn't seem nowadays like they can create a star on their own. They have to almost, like you said, inherit it. But yeah. back then. Stars were made left and right because they put the time and effort into it. Yeah. OVW doesn't exist like it did years ago. The power plant doesn't exist like it did years ago. Now the developmental territories are the indie world that wrestlers wrestle in and go from show to show to show to show and get seen on the internet. And that's how WWE finds their talent and then they groom them to be the way that they want. The Attitude Era was something different. They had to find that 19-year-old person that they thought had something special in them and say, like all right, the harder boys, like so, Edge and Christian, right? Like those young guys that they came in just just to do jobs, and then they're like, okay, well, you guys can stick around and keep keep hanging out, and then they blossom into world champions. You know, all four of them. Yeah, who so, knew that Sexton Hardcastle would oh, become an eleven-time world champion <laughs> called Adam Copeland Ed, Edge Adam Copeland, whatever you want to call him? Like you're right. Like back then. WWE brought in these guys just to kind of job them out, give them some experience, and put their time and effort into kind of building them up. Like, hey, you're going to run the tag team scene. Hey, you, you've been a great tag team kind of guy. We're going to give you the IC title. We're going to let you, you know, wrestle, you know, go single and put, put these singles titles on you and see where you go from there. Let you create your own stardom. If you become a star, it's on you. Yeah. Now it's it's like, hey, you know, this guy's kind of recognizable. Let's let's see if we can snatch him up, pay him more than what this other company's paying him, and he's already got a built-in name. Let's just throw him out there. People are going to love him. WWE still has a, a monopoly on the wrestling world, whether we want to admit it or not. Ring of Honor and Impact are nothing to compete with that. So the yeah. monopoly is really is really owned by them now. Bubs, it's it's hard to debate when the end of it started. Or excuse me, when the end ended, obviously, of the Attitude Era. That's better verbiage in English for you. But the beginning of it, I think, is more important. Now on Twitter, okay. real quick, a uh, couple shout-outs to the guys that wanted to comment on the initial post that I talked about. We needed to know when did the actual Attitude Era begin. Um, so the homie here, uh, Jerry Nunya, he says when Vince went on TV and he killed Fabe. Okay, so, so when he said that this is no longer professional, it's passe, you know, this is now sports entertainment. and Sure. Okay. And then the poll that I actually ran about three of the key points of when it could have started, I wrote on here the that Austin winning the King of the Ring, I wrote down the Montreal Screwjob, and then I wrote down Austin defeating HBK at WrestleMania. Overwhelmingly, Austin winning the King of the Ring is indicated by everyone who voted at least that that's the actual start 
of mm. the Attitude Era, Bubs. Now, see, I think that's a little that's too, 90, a little too soon. That's ninety-six. Yeah, that's a little too soon for the Attitude Era. I believe that it's the 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 creation of Degeneration X and the feud with Degeneration X and the Heart Foundation that really kicked off the Attitude Era. And what really sent the Attitude Era off and running was the Survivor Series '97. Like, the Attitude Era was already going. D-Generation X was doing some crazy stuff. Stone Cold was, you know, doing some crazy stuff, but he wasn't the Stone Cold Steve Austin character that he became until after yeah. uh, his match with at SummerSlam with Owen Hart for the IC title when he injured his neck. That's when he really became... He, he didn't wrestle for a while, but he was an on-screen character. That's when, you know, the, the true Stone Cold Steve Era... Steve right. Austin character started, so I would say the 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 formation of Degeneration X was the start of the Attitude Era. Okay, now I'm a little different than you. I certainly think okay. it's the Montreal screw job, only because, and it really may be my over fascination with the Vince McMahon and Austin saga. When Vince became the thing to hate, he then fueled the crowd that supported the Attitude Era. That, that was the epitome of the Attitude Era, but I don't think that was the start of the Attitude Era. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. You got a couple of them, obviously. It's not your first or your last. So that's fine. I think it sparked the Austin thing, which ran deep through 98, which I'm going to discuss. Absolutely. And I think that's definitely definitely when the Attitude Era really took off and became the big deal that it was. But that wasn't the start of the Attitude Era. The start of the Attitude Era was... You know, not necessarily the the Austin 316 promo that he cut at King of the Ring 96, but the buildup to the feud between Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart, the Generation X and the Hart Foundation, uh, Sonny, you know, all these things that were accumulating, you know, things that, you know, parents would start saying, I don't think you should watch this. I had that moment when I was was a kid where I actually because back then cable you can whatever was on on one screen was on on all the screens and I've had I had my wrestling taken off the screen a couple times because <laughs> of the got, content exactly so I think that was definitely the build up was was getting there but the start it started with with Degeneration X in my opinion okay bubs so what's the better DX stable version the original four members with rude china hunter and Shawn michaels or the triple h led version with the outlaws and x-pac i need to know because most wrestling fans most attitude era fans are going to tell you it's the new age outlaws and the x-pac version because there's much more on screen yep they will say that however i've been a strong proponent of the best degeneration x was the original Degeneration X, which Shawn Michaels at his most druggy, at his that was most the, that was the best worst Shawn Michaels ever. It was the best worst. I hate it for him because he's such an amazing, uh, amazing performer, and just a, he turned his life around afterwards. And and the later Shawn Michaels is the one that I really fell in love with. But that version of Degeneration X was the best version with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and China. You know. Okay, Rick Rude was in there for a little bit, but then he jumped ship to WCW. Um, that that original version was just that. That was cutting edge. 
that was what changed the wrestling industry on its head, Bubs. That was must-see TV on Rise War at that time to see what the hell mostly Shawn Michaels was going to do. But Triple H was coming into his own as far as a character. He was he getting was. More, more confident by the day. And that led him to become the actual leader of DX, you know, down the road when I'm talking about this, the New Age Outlaws and X-Pac version being added into that. That was the most significant moment of Triple H's young career was him taking over DX. Absolutely. I don't think it was a it was the best version of DX, but I do think that it was the most crucial version of DX for Triple H. Now, Bubs, we've talked about some good things, right? Now, we, we, we came into this knowing we had to be a little bit objective. We've talked about a few bad things here and there. Ooh. It's time to really talk about the lack of true good wrestling that happened. <laughs> I need to, Can you even think of a good wrestling match that occurred at a significant pay-per-view or, or on a, a top card type scenario? Don't throw any cruiserweight shit at me because I know that's going to be okay. your out. That doesn't count. Give, give me a good a wrestling bitch. match. Yeah, give me a good wrestling match that you can think of in your head okay. right now that it happened at that time. All right, and I love that. Oh, God, this is so good because during this time, and people are going to kill us for this, sure. and I fully expect it, and I'm okay with it because this, cause so far, all we've talked about in the Attitude Era is, is the storylines that affected us, the characters that were you know, spectacular that we could get behind. But now that you get into the meat potato meat and potatoes of what of wrestling of woo, of what wrestling actually is, which is the actual in-ring content, that's where the attitude era starts to show some of it. It starts to show some of its chinks in the armor. Yeah. Because during this time, I can't tell you now of course if we're talking just Attitude Era WWF, I can't tell you of what what's a great technical masterpiece. Now, no, there are some. So the tag team match between uh, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and Stone Cold Triple H when when Triple H had his first quad injury, that was a that was a spectacular match. Um, Jericho and Benoit, they did some Jer- they did some Royal Rumble they stuff. Did. Yeah. Um, sh- uh, Triple H and Stone Cold before WrestleMania 15 in their three stages of hell match was a really good match. Um, there, there was, there were some, some decent wrestling. You're struggling matches. to, to I, get that it's, out. It's hard. There is a handful at best at of best. good wrestling and I've matches, already, and I feel like I've already named them. Um, We've but, talked about them before in episodes. That's what's happened. Exactly. However, in WCW, there were there there was DDP and Goldberg. DDP gave Goldberg his best match okay. uh, for the WCW title, I believe, at Halloween Havoc, ninety um, eight. When he kicks um, out of the Diamond Cutter, yeah. Yes, uh, you had the best of seven between Chris Benoit and Booker T. Sure, that's your go-to. I get it. That there is, and that's not a cruiserweight. That was for the TV title. Okay, still mid card. Yeah. You, it is, but that's still good wrestling, okay. Bubs. You, you can try to come at me, but that's what I'm... But, oh, man. And and now I'm... <laughs> man, now you're out. <laughs> Damn okay, it, so I'm point, out. <laughs> the point being made here is that in order to get good content on TV, it was not a reliance on the wrestling work inside. Absolutely not. It Absolutely was not. all the extras 
It was the pyrotechnics. It was the outside interference. It was the triple threat matches. It was the two-on-one handicap matches. It was Vince McMahon in the ring. It was all of that extra stuff that kept us interested. And it did. It certainly did. But as far as we... Man, we need to take a step back because the Attitude Era, in comparison to what we have now, in comparison to Ruthless Aggression, even in comparison to New Generation years before that, the better better wrestling did not happen in the Attitude Era. We no, got the better stars. We got, not. we got much more entertainment, but this was sheer entertainment that we were seeing, right? Yes. Okay. It, it was complete entertainment, and like you said, the, the, the wrestling wasn't... So, so the big comparison between WCW and WWF was that the mid-card of WCW far outperformed the mid-card of the WWF, correct? Sure. And the main event of the WWF far outperformed the main event of WCW because there's no way Hogan versus you know Sting or Flair or, or uh, Warrior could compare with Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels versus Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels versus anybody. You know, the main event of WWF was far and away better than WCW and vice versa. WCW's mid card was way better than WWF. So it was really just, what were you into? Were you into the storylines? Because at the time, WWF had the the more, I'm not going to say they had the better storylines, but they had the more exotic, the more over-the-top storylines than WCW did. But WCW definitely had the better in-ring product at the time. And I, and I was a more... I was definitely more more of a proponent of the in-ring product, so I was a WCW fan. Mm-hmm. And but you know, people who were more into the story, and definitely my friends at school were, were more into kind of the characters. And WW, uh, WWE had the characters to combat WCW's in-ring quality. I mean, or you know, that's just kind of my thoughts on it. Okay. Now, if you're watching the product at that time, of WWF specifically, you're watching it because you're looking for your favorite guy, right? Yes. You're not looking to see a, a great match. You're not looking to see really anything. If you're looking for a great match, you're not going to get it. You're looking for The Rock's backstage interviews. You're looking for his promos in the ring. You're looking for anything. You're looking for whatever he's, sm- whatever he's smelling. Whatever he was you're smelling. You're trying to figure cooking. that out. That's what you're trying to figure out. But that wasn't the case in WCW. So that's just a, an example of, of I realize, you know, Rocks, he's my he's my guy, right? He's my number one yes. dude. Always will be. But Don't when it comes to, to that time, yeah, shut up. Huge. To that, that Attitude Era time, I'm looking for his interviews. I'm looking for him in the ring. You know, he's back in some city and he's about to tell everyone about it. So it wasn't the product at all. It was The Rock's going to win somehow. Shut up. I hate you so much. You finally caught it. There we go. I did. Okay, you idiot. But now, Bubs, I told you I told you I did some research, right? Yes. I did some research, though, Bubs. Okay. You say it in a way that I should be concerned, possibly. A little bit, because we... This is a negative towards the attitude era. I'm gonna I'm gonna Ooh. rattle off some stuff, okay? And I'm gonna I'm gonna name I these swear, things. If you say anything about D'Lo Brown not being the best no. Inter- no, no. European, oh, universal. Already, whoa! Wow. 
I've already <laughs> tweeted what you said. I'm getting some responses on that right now. But I'm going to name off some things, and then I want you to tell me what the common denominator in all these things is. And you okay. know it. Okay? I'm listening. So, after WrestleMania 14, get, get in the timeline with me, okay? Yes. WrestleMania 14, Stone Cold era begins. Okay, so here I go. Unforgiven pay-per-view. Over the Edge pay-per-view. King of the Ring pay-per-view. <laughs> fully loaded pay-per-view. SummerSlam. Breakdown. Judgment Day. Rock Bottom pay-per-view. Royal Rumble 99. St. Valentine's Day. WrestleMania oh, I 15. To, I need Backlash. You to... <laughs> Hold on. Over the Edge. King of the Ring 99. Fully loaded SummerSlam. Unforgiven. No Mercy. Survivor Series 99. What's the common thing in all those pay-per-views that you can think of right now? What one thing is a guarantee in the things that I just named off to you? Stone Cold in the main event. Stone Cold in the main event from yes. March 1998 <laughs> until November of 1999 oh, where he was hit This by is why car. I hated, hated him. Okay. So, Bubs, even in many of these contests where he is not the WWF champion, he's in the main event match. He is the referee in matches. He is, he is he, shoved down our throats, Bob. He is the outside enforcer. It's only the Rebellion 99 pay-per-view, which was an offset pay-per-view that didn't really mean much. Austin was not on the card. Outside of that, March 1998 until 1999, Stone Cold Steve Austin is present in the main event yes. event of every single pay-per-view that occurred. Yes. Is he not shoved down your throat like Roman Reigns so is, hard. like John Cena is, like Hulk Hogan was? I'm gagging so hard because it's being shoved so far. It's as far down, down as it throat. goes. But no, man, Bubs, we loved it, didn't we? Look I, back. You I might not didn't. have loved it as much, but nine out of but ten. But there were people that absent as soon as as soon as the glass broke, <sighs> the pop ensued. Bubs, no matter what, as soon as that glass breaks, and, and and honestly, is there a more iconic sound throughout all of this era, throughout all of the Attitude Era, is there a more iconic sound than the glass breaking? When, when the glass breaks, what does that, what what ensues next? Chaos. You jump and the attitude, if you're a And fan. the Attitude Era was the epitome of chaos. When the glass breaks, what ensues? A uh, the crowd reaction, the crowd pop, the crowd loves Stone Cold Steve Austin. So no matter what, as soon as that that glass breaks, you you get the big pop, you get the big cheer from the crowd. You chaos ensues. Like chaos was was all abound in the Attitude Era. That's what made the Attitude Era so important, so so infamous, so famous. You know, in wrestling history, and no bigger kind of name personifies that then stone cold steve austin so what you're saying is 100 percent true you know during this time all we got was stone cold steve austin left it right but the people loved it mm -hmm. and and what's that's that's the main difference bubs between what's going on then and what's going on now is that the people loved it no matter what when that glass breaks people are cheering no matter what when that when that's when when Roman Reigns music hits, you don't get you don't get that pop, which is kind of what that that's the main difference between two. And I'm completely with you. I hated Stone Cold because I did feel like he was shoved down my throat, and 
but but that's the major difference is that the people loved him and that no matter he can do no wrong in the people's eyes right the good thing of that can come of this 98 through 99 situation is that in a lot of these pay-per-views not all of them because some of them are the same but he does get a lot of different feuds and different people are getting opportunities we get mankind we get dude love we get the undertaker kane triple h the rock the six-pack challenge that he is an enforcer in has the british bulldog in it vying for the title so it's not just him necessarily down our throats because triple h became a huge part as did the rock it's in this true, 99 but, time frame but mick fault mankind doesn't win the wwf title in that in that extremely iconic moment on on monday night raw mm-hmm. uh, if it's not for stone cold coming out and hitting and interfering in that match smacking the rock with a chair allowing mankind to get the pinfall victory so it's like no matter what happened in the main event scene during this time stone cold nine times out of ten had to be involved in it exactly and Royal Rumble 99 was was stone cold like (laughs) that was stone cold that you might as well just change the name of the pay-per-view to stone cold the stone cold rumble he and he came up in our very first episode of Collar and Elbow, Bubs. We reviewed Backlash and who came in to interfere in that ah, championship match? Yes, he but Stone did. Cold to get oh, the Rock to win. So yes, he's, he he's did. everywhere. He's it's too much. But that's just so he can then wrestle. Sure. For the title, and he comes back right. But looking back, I mean, I loved it at the time. Looking back now, I hate it. But there's a lot of pay per views where he's he's just hanging out, Bubs. And this was the Attitude Era. As much as we want to say it was influenced by other people and as much as I want to say, well, The Rock was the best thing to come out of it, this was Stone Cold's era. This was his time in wrestling. No one else would come close. Nothing Hogan could do or Sting or any WCW thing could do would compete with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And when the glass broke, like you said, it was game over. He's about to come out and save everyone in the ring. He's about to come out and give mankind yeah, He wouldn't even save everyone. He, no one could escape the wrath of Stone Cold. If he wanted to stunner someone, he right. would stunner them. If you're going to get the stunner, you automatically can't defend yourself anymore. So exactly. Here comes your stunner, Bubs. But I had to do that research so we kind of can be a little objective here because we talked a lot of good. No, you we were absolutely right. There's, there's so much both good and bad that happened during this time. And, you know... Kind of sticking with the negative tone, the I mentioned how Stone Cold personified chaos. As soon as the glass broke, the the sound of the glass glass breaking, you you knew chaos was ensuing. That was to me that was the main issue with the Attitude Era was that everything was in was was in constant chaos. Everything was in constant flux. Nothing was nothing was set in stone. You can have one thing happen one week and then. You know, the next week it changes, or you can have something happen in one segment, and then the next segment it's completely changed. Mm-hmm. There was zero continuity in the Attitude Era. You know, things just from week to week were you never knew what was going to happen because, and that's kind of what was the charm of the Attitude Era. You never knew what was going to happen, but when you go back and watch it, you can watch an episode of Raw and. Uh, in 1998, 1999, and go, man, let me let me watch the next episode and see what happened with this storyline. And you realize, oh, that storyline kind of died when it happened in that one episode. Like they went nowhere with it. And I don't have a specific, you know, example, you know, off the top of my head. 
but that's just if you go back and watch that's the kind of feeling that you get is that there's zero continuity things change from from week to week from segment to segment there was there was nothing that was like okay because this is happening this is going to happen it's like no whatever they felt was going to be interesting that one week is what they were going to do there was there's no okay if we do this we then have to do this and this it's like okay we did this okay now let's do this you know? It's Russo. Exactly. <laughs> you, just, you just explained to everyone what his resume looks like. Right there. <laughs> You're right, because he went to WCW and the exact same, the same thing shit. happened. Then he went to TNA and the exact same thing happened. You know what held a lot of stuff together for me, though? I mean, the chaos oh. that you're describing is absolutely correct, but if you didn't rely on Sunday Night Heat to connect I love Sunday oh, to connect the previous yes. week or to set up a pay-per-view for you you were wrong because it was on on Sundays you got it on your TV Bubs I remember running in out, in from outside when I had to mow the lawn just to catch the hour long yes, Sunday night heat Sunday that I was night about to yeah, go from watch. 6 to 7 from 6 p.m. central to 7 uh central time I'm I'm going central time of course I loved it they it was threw, the you know threw some matches out there. We got more promos. Yes. We got setups. Especially that's where, that's that where I got the Latino Heat and Mamacita. Yes, with China. They did, they did a lot of what would have been considered like the dark matches and stuff prior to pay per views happened right. on the the Sunday Night Heat. And now Sunday Night Heat is on the network. Bubs, I've been watching random crap. From oh, it's so just good. To keep tied together. So that's a that's a positive spot. I think was the show itself. Raw was back and forth. It was chaos left and right. Uh, and you Sunday couldn't Night keep up with a little it. bit of that. No, there was no keeping up whatsoever. It was like, okay, this happened last week. Oh, I should ignore that now. Okay, well, what the hell's the Rock doing now? Now he's in a feud with Al Snow. Sure. Oh, okay. I thought he was in a feud with Billy Gunn. Nope, he just beat the shit out of Billy Gunn. Now I got Al Snow beating him. You're right. I guess we'll go into a cage, maybe. I don't know. It's all mankind's fault. But it didn't matter. Wait, wait, you're saying now Al Snow's eating his dog because Big (laughs) Boss Man... (laughs) We got Boss Man sighting. All right, rest in peace, big fella. So... Oh, man. It was was such chaos that there was... You never knew what was going to happen from week to week, and that was both a blessing and a curse. Because one, you you didn't know what was going to happen, so you watched week in and week out just to see what kind of craziness was about to ensue. But also, you think, okay, I'm really dug in to this feud. I'm really dug into the storyline. Now this no longer exists because it was a thing last week. It's no longer a thing this week. And that... Just pretend it didn't happen. Kayfabe. It's just... It it was, and that was to me the biggest flaw of the Attitude Era was just the absolute nonsense that took place, the lack of continuity from week to week. You could have Kai and Tai feuding with, you know... this random uh, stable and then next week you know they're tag champions they they beat the acolytes or some shit right it was you never knew what was going to happen and it was great but i also hated it at the same time god this is reminding me of so much stuff that i love there's so many good things that happened back it was so much fun being a wrestling fan back then was so much fun, but if you try to go back and watch it now, 
It's just it's, not. It's yeah. not good. No, it, it hasn't withstood the test of time, Bubs. It has not. It's fa- it's fallen in compared to what we get now. If if this was the product we were watching now, I would I would actually not watch Raw and SmackDown every week because I need more than just the sheer entertainment. Attitude Era gave me the entertainment portion of what I needed and loved at the time when I was of that age, and very little wrestling. You want me to watch a segment about Val Venus getting his penis cut off? Cool. You know, choppy I'm choppy. Right, I'm Yo, right there. Pee-pee. Pee-pee. Yeah, choppy choppy. Right now, if. If that doesn't end in Val Venus and Taka having uh, a great payoff match, I'd be pissed. So <laughs> it hasn't withstood it. It's only for entertainment purposes at this time and for watching right. some of the greatest crowd pops to ever happen were in that era as well. The, the so, crowd pops were amazing, but Bubs, as as just like you're talking about, you, you watched it for kind of the crazy storylines, but the in-ring competition wasn't there. When we get to the discussion of the next era that pops up in kind of wrestling, I think we will see kind of a stronger balance between storylines and in-ring work. And personally, I am very much looking forward to this talk. I And I, I don't want to give anything away, but I am very much looking forward to our next... <laughs> You don't want to say it. I don't want to say it because I want people. I want. I want them, them to be sitting on the edge of their oh, seats booking. like they were each week in yes. and, and week out, Bob. Okay, during so this era, you're right. So we won't tell them that we're, that we're going in chronological order from now. From this, they point. they have we, no idea that the ruthless aggression that. era is uh, coming next. They, no idea. These people are going to be floors. Yes. when that announcement comes out. Wait Bubs. for that tweet, Kurt Angle. It, is my mic? Are we recording right now? Uh, 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 we are. Uh, uh, shit. Damn it. Anyway, they have no idea. It's going to be amazing. It's my personal favorite era in wrestling, in my wrestling kind of history, Bubs. But we're talking about the Attitude Era this week. This has been a, it's been a great, great discussion, Bubs. We can go on forever. So much more we could have honestly. done. It. it between the storylines, the characters, the in-ring work, the video games, pop culture, everything during this time was just so hot, so important, just led to what we have now in the wrestling business that it, it can't be understated. Yes, there were a lot of lot of great things that happened during this time, some bad things that happened in this time, but if anything, I don't think it can be understated that this was the most important time in wrestling history. Certainly be- was, Bub. It gave, gave us a, lo- a lot of stuff going into the, the next era, which we'll discuss. It kind of sets that that platform up for us, and even to today, how, we're, how we view wrestling in 2018. So it, it's, it was worth the talk. It was a great era, and I can't wait for the next one. Thank you, everyone, for joining us in such an epic discussion of, of like I just mentioned, the most important era in wrestling history, the, the era that might have saved wrestling, period. We, we might not have wrestling if it's not for the Attitude Era, and I feel like that's something that we didn't talk enough about. There's just so much to talk about during this time, but we are going to get more into it on social media. And you can join that conversation at C 
CAE Wrestling on Twitter. You're going to see a lot of posts on Twitter from both myself at Kenny Oak Sports with Chris at Crispy Quick and like I mentioned, us at CAE Wrestling. You can also find us on Facebook at just search collar and the ant sign, the ampersand, collar and elbow and wrestling.com. Whoa, .com. We don't have a website. What am I talking about? That's it's what we're thinking. Clubs. That's yeah, what look it out. is. That's a Facebook <laughs> account we're using. Don't mind him. We'll get there eventually, but we need your help to get there. Exactly. Collar and elbow on Facebook. We're constantly posting new stuff. Chris is huge on the social networks. You will always get a response from us. We love hearing from you guys. We want to know what you want us to talk about next. We're probably going to, sometime next week, going to talk about just what's going on in the wrestling world right now. So we're pretty excited about that. We love interacting with you guys. We love giving you content that you want. And honestly, we just love wrestling, period. We can't talk about wrestling without having more wrestling fans join us in creating this network, creating this platform of fan-based wrestling content. And that's what we give you. We're just fans of wrestling. We have no affiliation with anyone. We are just fans. You are just fans. And let's build this thing together because together we can make wrestling great again. See you guys next time.